0: I have a guest with me today who uh i can't wait for you to meet him because he is informed he's engaged and now he is the award-winning sheriff jesse watts sheriff welcome to
1: the show thank you betsy for having me i appreciate it truly a humbling honor
0: so uh, i i've got to right away tell everybody that you have been named by law officer magazine as the 2021 courageous police leader of the year. That's pretty extraordinary uh, honor, and especially coming from a, a publication, a website like Law Officer. T- talk about how this all happened.
1: So uh, very humbling experience to be even nominated, much less win the award. Uh, Travis Yates and I were at a conference in Indiana in October, and I was getting ready to speak. And Travis uh, goes up to introduce me and then uh, leads into the fact that uh, the courageous police leader and names me and um, I was completely awestruck in the fact that one, I'd even won, uh, but two, the fact that I was able to share the stage with Travis and other great speakers at uh, Breaching the Barricades training conference and uh, it was a very humbling experience and then he came out here, he flew out here personally to Eureka, Nevada and brought his dad, Glenn, which is an amazing man, uh, and presented it to me in front of my staff here at the office. So very cool experience.
0: That's extraordinary. And our viewers know Travis Yates. He's been on our show before. And uh, and I would uh, I'd encourage people to uh, seek out law officers. Not just for cops. And they have just some amazing writers. And uh, and and talk about the conference that you were teaching at in Indiana, because I think that's something something everyone would be interested in.
1: So it's the uh, was breaching the barricades training conference. And it's a day that is uh, spent with different leaders from all over the country. Travis spoke, I spoke, uh, we had some um, husband wife duos speak about the, uh, the importance of having the relationship with your spouse and communication. And uh, it was just a great day of training. And then the next day, they had a law enforcement appreciation day where Uh, We got to go and shoot guns and cannons and uh, machine guns and throw axes, and it was just a great time. That sounds like the perfect day to me, I got to tell you. It was a great day.
0: (laughs) So let's talk about how you came to be the sheriff. I want to hear a little bit about your career.
1: So uh, I started in law enforcement as a cadet in 1998 at the age of 12 years old. I wanted to do something, and so the police department that I grew up around started the cadet program. I was worked there as a cadet until 2006 when I was able to go and uh, become a sworn peace officer. I uh, went to the academy, started in December of 2006 and graduated in May of 2007. Uh, did uh, several years there at the Amity Police Department in Yamhill County, Oregon. Started traffic program and some other things. And then I moved to Nevada in 2011, so 10 years ago. Uh, and I started down in Vegas for a little while. And then I came out here to Eureka, Nevada, which is up in the central part of Nevada. Uh, and I've loved this place since it's, we call it God's country out here. Uh, I was a deputy here and I got sick and tired of the good old boy way. And, um, the fact that, you know, you getting told that you're not going to do anything about it, you know, this is the way it is. Uh, so I challenged that ran for sheriff, got elected. And uh, I haven't changed my ways in challenging things and pushing the status quo. And when people tell me I can't do something, I just tell them to sit back and grab some popcorn and watch. So,
0: Well, and that's one of the things that I know about you as sheriff is, is and this is somewhat typical of sheriffs around the country. They're, it's very different being a sheriff than it is being a, a police chief. And the biggest difference is sheriffs are elected by the people. They're not appointed by anybody. And um, and you truly believe, like a lot of sheriffs do, that your main job is to uphold the Constitution of the United States, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. That's the foundation of our job. That's the foundation of what we do. And, you know, I, I say this uh, when I go around and speak, is it's not only just sheriff's jobs to do that. It is police chief's job and police officer's jobs. But the difference with sheriffs and chiefs and we are elected by the people. So we're a direct voice of the people um, where the chiefs have to go to a council or a board or a city manager or whatever, but we, we get the direct voice of the people. And when my citizens come to me and say, Hey, this is what we'd like. They're getting it directly to the, to the people in Washington, DC. They're getting it directly to the people in Carson city directly from me. I don't have to go through and censor myself or anything like that, because I answer to them and when somebody doesn't like it, I say, go talk to my bosses.
0: I love it. So when we talk about the constitution, I think you know one of the things that is, I know is near and dear to your heart, mine as well. Um, and, and I would venture to say the majority of Americans and that is the second amendment, the right to bear arms. And yet there's a lot of people who say, but but we hear that law enforcement leaders want more gun control, or we hear that law enforcement doesn't want um, armed citizens. And I know that you know different. Talk about that.
1: So my name is uh, an armed society is a polite society, and it's not mine. I paraphrased it from someone. But the fact of the matter is, is um, gun control only works for those that are actually going to abide by it. We know by definition, criminals don't follow the law. So, what's it stopping a criminal from getting a gun? If that was the case, why would we have, you know, convicted felons getting convicted of additional crimes with firearms if they're not supposed to have guns? So, for me, it's it's completely um, the right thing to do is to have armed citizens that can lawfully have them. But it's also a safer thing to have is citizens that can do good things. Look at the Texas church shooting, for that for that matter. As you had a gun in the hand of a good person with good training and he was able to take out evil and that is exactly it. Edmund Burke once said, you know, all it takes is for evil to triumph as a good man to do nothing. Well, we can do it. We can, as good citizens, we can absolutely make a difference being armed and being safe with it, being educated and being trained. Um, I I don't get uh, some pol- politicians and, and some sheriffs that say, oh, we need more gun control. No, we don't. We need more common sense and good, good American people that are willing to stand up for something.
0: Now you became a cop because you were involved in a program for citizens, right? I mean, that's what the cadet program was. It, it, uh, took kids who were interested in law enforcement and, and helped to mentor and mold them. Um, I was a police explorer from the time that I was 14 years old. Um, you know, we have programs such as Citizen Police Academy and, and, um, teen academies. What do you believe police leaders should do to engage their community to help get the support from the community, as well as mentor young people or people that might want to get involved in law enforcement?
1: Well, the first thing we have to do as police leaders is we have to run our information directly to our citizens, to our constituents, to our constituents, Uh, To our community, whether that be press releases, whether that be educational uh, information, podcasts, uh, you name it, we need to be doing that because the media today does not do that, first of all but they want to hear directly from you, whether, you're, whether it's a police department or a sheriff's office or whatever, they want to hear directly from us. Plus it's easy, and especially in my community right here, where it's a small constituency, it's very easy for me, people to walk up and go, hey, Jesse, what do you think of this? Nobody here knows me as Sheriff Watts because that's not what I go by. I, I'm Jesse before I'm anything. So the, the biggest thing is, is you got to run that. With the kids, we do a community engagement project here um, we're actually doing it Wednesday and Thursday of this week and it's where we do a coloring contest with the kids at the elementary school and we just go and they colored uh, this is Santa and sleighs and stuff like that uh, and then we go and engage them and grade a, you know they get awards for their their work but it's a positive interaction it's just that little thing that is oh look the cop's not a bad guy um, whenever I hear parents say oh you got to be careful or you got to be good or else I'm going to have him arrest you. I always make sure that I go tell those kids, nope, that is not the case. This is not, you want to run to me when you're in trouble, not run from me. So I, we try to, we got to break that stigma right on the front side of it, basically. But the number one thing is you got to engage with your community. Get out from behind your desk, get out of your car, go walk the streets, go hound out some candy as you're at Halloween, go do 4th of July stuff you've got to just engage your community.
0: And yet we're hearing so much about, um, oh, we've got to get the police out of the schools because the police are dangerous. We've got to keep the police away from the community because the police are dangerous. I mean, we're living in this bizarre upside down world in the last 18 months of somehow we've become the bad guys. How do we, how do, how do you think American law enforcement
1: can continue to battle that? Uh, It starts at the top. First of all, it starts at your department heads. Uh, They've got to break that cycle. They've got to be the ones to stand up and say, no, this is not it. Secondly, they've got to make sure that they're the men and women that work at the uh, law enforcement agencies they lead are absolutely engaged with their community. They can't tolerate just bowing down to this false narrative and anti-police rhetoric. It does not work. You cannot do it. Um, To be successful in law enforcement and to have that partnership with your community, you've got to be one with your community. You've got to be able to engage. And department heads need to know that they've got to check the barometer outside their agency and inside their agency. The outside influence can negatively impact the productivity and the the work that your guys are doing. But not only that, it can negatively impact them personally. Because think of how many cops in this world are struggling with cumulative PTSD and the fact of the matter that we we run a tough career. I mean, period. And you're just adding that you're compounding to their stress level already. Why? Let's make it a fun environment. Let's have a great engagement with our community. And you're always going to have those one or two that are just the naysayers. That's okay. Avoid them. But go engage with your community in a positive manner. And it starts at the top with your department heads. Now
0: you travel uh, and talk nationally. What are you seeing nationally, you know, do you, um, you know because there's so much concern about are we going to be able to retain law enforcement officers are we going to be able to recruit new ones, um, especially in large urban areas. Um, what are you seeing around the country what gives you hope.
1: What gives me hope is when I do go and speak. To have younger cops that are hungry for good leaders um, and having those younger guys in in class that were in the presentations that I I give. Uh, I had one in Indiana that walks up to me. He's a year and a half into his career. And he said it. He goes, I don't know if this is what I want to do. And I said, why not? And this was before I spoke. After I spoke, he literally came up and asked me if I, he could take a picture with me. and goes, Sheriff, you gave me hope because that's where we need to go. And I said, OK, so let's go there. And he goes, what do you mean? And I said, you're a year and a half into your career. What is stopping you from being that police leader to doing that? What is stopping you from getting on that path to go and make that agency better? And he just looked at me and he was like, well, I'm, I'm young. I can't do that. I said, yeah, I was elected at 33 years old. You absolutely can do that. Uh, don't let anybody tell you, oh, you can't because you don't have 50 hash marks on your arm. That's not the answer. The answer is you want to do something, go do it. And that's the hope that I've got.
0: Well, and that's one of the things about you and your career is—is is a lot of police officers. I was one of them. Um, you know, started at 21 at a police department, and I had a great career. Stayed there for 29 years, and uh, and then went off to do this this parallel career that I have in in uh, training in the media. Um, but you tried out some different agencies. I do. You see that happening more with young people.
1: Yes, because the young people and millennial generation and I qualify as a millennial, so I'll go with that. But millennials won't work for weak leaders. They'll just go work somewhere else. And the, the one thing that, um you know, I, I questioned myself, I worked for big agencies and little agencies. Uh, and I questioned myself, of oh, I'm job hopping or so to speak, but I went from a small town agency to a major agency. Back to a small agency. And something that I, I saw is if you've worked a small agency, you can do anything in the big agencies because they've got the specialties and all this. But you not only know, you've got the better foundation than most of these guys that start in a big agency going to a small agency because they don't, the, the dynamic just doesn't work. But the number one thing that I did see is the lack of personability in some agencies that drove cops away. One of the agencies I worked for literally had a PDF resignation form that you couldn't write your own resignation letter. You had to fill in the boxes: your name, your, per, uh, your serial number, the dates, and and then you turned it in an HR. And if you wrote your own letter, it didn't go anywhere. Well, that's not that's not conducive for what we're doing, right? But the number one thing that I can truly say is cops won't work for weak leaders, uh, and especially younger cops. They they won't they won't put up with it. They'll go find somewhere that they are uh, respected. They'll go find somewhere where they want to work and where has not necessarily all the bells and whistles, but has a better environment than, uh, than some of the bigger agencies.
0: Well, and I know there's a lot of agencies uh, uh, around the country hiring and trying to draw police officers from some of the larger urban areas like Minneapolis, New York, Chicago, Portland, Seattle. I could go on and on. Um, you know try and i think that's smart i think uh, i think a lot of those agencies are trying to draw those experienced officers and get them out of those communities where they're not
1: appreciated absolutely you got like i said earlier you got to you know run where that anti rhetoric is there you can't you can't it's not conducive but it is also the department heads of those agencies minneapolis and big agencies like that that can truly change the dynamic of what you're doing. Um, I think it's a smart marketing tool for lo- smaller agencies. Uh, but where, when I market for recruiting, I market for areas like Eureka County to where I'm not drawing people from LA. I'm not drawing people from Minneapolis. I'm drawing people from the rural areas that want to live in rural areas because we're 120 miles one way to a Walmart. So, I, you know, most wives and, and most people are like, uh, what, where, no. No, thanks. We're good. So it's, it's just all how you market yourself and your agency to push that. But the number one thing is, is, uh, seeing courageous leaders that will absolutely have a voice and opinion. Um, and there can be big agencies look at, uh, Sheriff Wayne Ivy and his, his recruitment ploys of, Hey, you want to work for a great agency? And, they, and he lays it out there, you know, and he's a big agency. You want to You want to work for somewhere that's going to support you and doesn't put up with this anti-cop rhetoric? Come work for me. Absolutely right. And that, like I said, it all starts at the top. So, what is your advice
0: um, to other police leaders? How they can, you know, how can they improve? There, you know, we hear a lot about management. Um, but I, how can they improve their leadership skills? What, what are the things that, that you suggest they do? Because we do see a lot of weak leadership in law enforcement, unfortunately.
1: We do, we see way too much. Uh, one or, number one thing that you've got to do is you got to get back to your core on why you got into this profession in the first place. You know, Don't sit here and think about your 28, 29 year career sitting behind a desk at the last 10 of it being you know upper command, et cetera. Remember why you were boots on the ground and remember what you hated about your agency and you loved about your agency. The thing that I, um, I would strongly suggest is make it the agency you wanted to work for when you were starting out with. Don't worry about what your county commission or your city council is going to say. You know what? You've, that's what articulation and justification is for. We've got enough stats in the world. We've got all the, the documentation to back us up. But the number one thing is, is you've got to have a spine to be able to make that decision and stick by it and push forward. Do an internal barometer test of your agency. Do the 420 question and, or the 420 exam. And what that is, is four questions, 20 answers. What do you like about this agency? What do you hate about this agency? What would you change about this agency? What would you never change about this agency? Ask every one of your staff members to do an anonymous survey monkey, whatever. Four questions, 20 answers. You take that, you do a tally on it make it that agency, because obviously, if the people are happy, they're going to be your biggest asset to recruitment, retention for future people. You can absolutely do it. It's not hard. It doesn't cost you millions of dollars. It doesn't cost you $10,000 hiring bonuses to get people. Create a good agency, a great environment, and you'll get people.
0: How damaged do do, do you think American law enforcement is by this whole defund the police movement of the last 18 months?
1: A lot less than most people do. Uh, And I say that just because the mass media would like to report, oh, we're so down in the dumps and everything of that nature. No, I don't think so. I think that that uh, we as a law enforcement profession are actually in really good hands and a really good direction. The thing I do wish is that we would market ourselves better and market our successes better uh, to push for other people to come into that profession, you know, the, the old ways of high school career fairs and college career fairs, not necessarily the greatest thing in the world for us anymore. Um, did we take a small hit with defund the police? Yeah. You saw the proactivity go down. You saw the citations go down. You saw the arrests go down because people didn't want to deal with, oh, well, if I make one bad decision, I could be on trial and lose my house and lose my pension and all this. Well, we got into this because we weren't afraid of stuff. We got in this because we got, had courage to do it have courage to continue doing what we're doing.
0: Now you deal really well with the media. You're active on social media. What's your suggestion to uh, police leaders to do a better job of engaging the media? That seems to be one of our biggest problems in this profession.
1: A huge problem in our, in our profession. Uh, I don't know. When people put on color brass, whether they think they just lost the connection with their community or uh, lost the courage to get in front of their community. But the number one thing is you got to run that. Like I said earlier, you got to run your media yourself. You've put out your own podcast, put out your own little Facebook snippets. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to give uh, Sheriff Chad Bianco with Riverside County Sheriff's Office in California. Great accolades. He does uh, the RSO Roundup and he has a different staff member and he does that. And he, it's all about the office on clearing up the facts of the office. Um, there's others that do, you know, uh, Wayne Ivey, I mentioned him earlier. He does the, the fishing for a fugitive and the spillage, uh, spin of justice and other things. And it's a great thing. I hear in Eureka do uh, in the know with Sheriff Watts. And every Wednesday I try to record a little short video or a, a snippet and put it out there. Uh, I do motivation Mondays and word of wisdom Wednesdays, and it's just engagement. And that's the biggest thing is you got to push it out there. You, uh, you gotta, you gotta be courageous and get in front of some cameras, um, you know, go talk to the people and even adversarials, you know, the, the people, the media that don't agree with us and don't think we're doing a great job, go show them why and call them to scene say, Hey, you want to see a scene that, that you're saying we're screwing up? Look, this is how great we're doing. So Sheriff, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook as Sheriff Jesse Watts. I'm on uh, Instagram, Sheriff Jesse Watts. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, and then I also have sheriffjessiewatts.com.
0: That is awesome. I cannot thank you enough for spending a little bit of time with us today. Uh, we so appreciate it. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Sam, put the gun down! Put the gun down!
1: Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation.
0: Put the knife on the ground.
1: In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.